Let's stand. Psalms 124. That just cut down 10 minutes of my preaching time. So I've got to move fast. Psalms 124. Tomorrow's Labor Day, and we want you to have a good restful time. I don't want you angry because I kept you to 9 o'clock tonight. Amen? So Psalms 124 this evening. You'll turn there. We have eight simple verses I want to preach from tonight. We're on a series entitled, I'm Going Higher. I'm Going Higher. Say amen if you're in Psalms 124. Now I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And if you don't have a King James Version, I would encourage you to maybe find someone next to you who has that version. Uh, we use that as our standard text here at church. And uh, we want you to follow that this evening so you don't get lost or anything like that. Or maybe a word might happen here that is missing or changed up. I want you to have the right vocabulary, right words that are found here in Psalms 124. Now notice this is one of the song of degrees of David. Remember, the Psalms 120 to 134 are called the Songs of Degrees or the Psalms of Ascent. This is one of the ones that David wrote. And you want to pay attention to this. And that, that, that helps us understand where we're going with the message. So David wrote this. Now listen to what he says here. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. That's an intriguing thought. Amen. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. <clears throat> then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Then notice he transitions here off of verse 5. He said, blessed be the Lord. How many can say it tonight, blessed be the Lord, amen? Bless it with me tonight. Blessed be the Lord, amen? I love being around Brother Sam Davison. He'll be with us next year, next fall. I love being around because when you get around Brother Sam and he gets into a holy fit, he says, blessed be the Lord, amen? Blessed be the name of God. And here's what the psalmist said. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. Underline that tonight. Amen. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, Father, tonight we thank you for this passage of scripture, which has spoken to me many times over this week. And over the last 72 hours, God is just kind of just working its way in my life in so many areas. And I pray this evening that is. Lord, you've worked in my heart. Please work in the heart, this congregation that you love and the people that are here tonight. I pray that through your love tonight that you sanctify your people through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus said, now you're clean through the word which I've spoken to you. And tonight we need a purging and we need a cleansing. We need the power of your word to touch our lives. I pray tonight we'd say like David did when the priest gave him the, the sword of Goliath and he said, I'll take that. There's none like it. And I pray this evening that, God, that you would encourage our hearts and build us up in the faith. And, God, I pray tonight that you'll help us perhaps to get out of the snare of the fowler or, or to watch out that we don't get our foot stuck there. And, and that, Lord, we don't get to a place where a tsunami has gone over our soul. And I pray this evening that you'd give color and meaningfulness. And I pray that, Lord, you'd give uh, just understanding to our hearts this evening and open our eyes this evening to behold wonderful things out of thy law. I realize it's a Labor Day weekend and we're kind of in this this mood where we feel like we just want to chill out and just and not not think about too many things but God it's still your day 
And uh, we want you to be glorified and magnified on this day. And I pray this evening that you'd fill our hearts with a sense of fervor and excitement because God, you are God, as the choir saying tonight. You're God Almighty. You're God all-powerful. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. Lord, you are the one whose eyes are filled with, flame, with a flame of fire, whose, whose feet uh, shine like polished brass. And the uh, Lord, that you are, you're the one who rose again from the dead. You're alive, you said, forevermore. And tonight we're thankful that we can be excited enthused because we have a Savior who's risen from the dead and a God who's real and a God who answers prayer and a God who's all-powerful and the God of, you're the God of Moses, but you're the God of Alan Fong too. And you may be the God of Elijah, but God, you're the God of the members of Heritage Baptist Church. And God, we need to see you and, and realize you and draw closer to you in a real way. Please work in our lives tonight in this psalm, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people say, amen. You may be seated. The songwriter wrote, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost heights and catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I'll pray till heaven I found, Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. The pilgrim of the pilgrims, the Jews, they made their way, that those who, who did not live in the city of Jerusalem, they made their way three times a year to the holy beloved city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city on a hill. It was on an incline. To make your way there, there was only one way you could get there. You had to go up a hill. And so these Psalms that were written, Psalms 120 to Psalms 134, they were called the Psalms of Ascent. And the pilgrims, as they made their way up that hill for the Feast of the Passover, and for the Feast of Pentecost, and for the Feast of the Tabernacles, they had memorized these Psalms, and they recited these Psalms as they made their way there. And you can imagine, just like our choir, when they sing, they had reached a crescendo as they got higher and higher and higher, and their hearts were filled with an overwhelmingness of how great a God we have, and that our, Christ, our life is not over. And the path we have as a Christian life is going higher and higher in Jesus Christ. The priests, as they made their way up to the temple, they would walk up the temple steps, and the, the priest would get to step number one. As he got to step number, number one, he would go to Psalms 120, and there in Psalms 120, he would, he would have memorized the psalm, and he would say something like this, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me, and he recite the whole psalm. He would go up to step number two, and he would recite Psalms 121. And in Psalms 121, the psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills, for whence cometh my help. He says, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth and he would just see himself going up and then the priest would go to step number three and step number three would be on Psalms 122 and he would say something like this I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord if you get the gist here they would make their way for 14 Psalms memorizing these Psalms and these were Psalms that describe the ascent of the Christian life may I say to you tonight brother and sister Christ wherever we may be at as a pilgrim in this journey as a stranger and sojourn in this walk of life we must go higher and higher higher with the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what trial you've got. You've got to go higher and higher in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what obstacle you may face. It doesn't matter what country you go to as a missionary. We must go higher and higher and higher in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These Psalms were memorized Psalms. These Psalms were meaningful Psalms. These Psalms are motivating Psalms. You notice tonight as we go there, we see in Psalms 120, which we covered a few weeks ago, 
We're going higher in spite of Mesek and Kedar, the place of darkness. In Psalms 121, we're going higher because the Lord is our helper. In Psalms 122, we're going higher in the house of God. In Psalms 123, which we saw just a few weeks ago, we saw that we're going higher with the eyes of a servant. And notice in Psalms 124, we are going higher because the Lord is on our side. And tonight, I want to encourage you this evening about the God who we serve and the God of our salvation and the God who's our comfort, that he's the God who's our help and he's the God who's on our side. I love what Romans 8, 31, 32 says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who shall be against us? When he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Beloved, I want to tell you, if you get nothing else out of tonight, if you don't remember anything else, just remember this. God is on your side. God is for you. God is on your side. I want you to see three things tonight in this passage of scripture. Notice in verses 1 to 5, if you're taking notes tonight. Notice in verses 1 to 5, we see David reflecting. We see a humble reflecting. A humble reflecting. David is in a period of respite. You see, David was, had gone through many, many uh, things in his life, perhaps more things than you and I could count in our double our lifetime. David was going through a time of respite. He was reflecting on what God had done in his life. I believe David wrote this psalm when he was an older man. I believe David, as I got into the study of this a little bit, some believe that he may have written it during the time of Saul. I believe he wrote this after the Absalom revolt. I believe he wrote this because he was reflecting on all that God did in his life. I mean, consider with me all all that happened in David's life. His life was filled with many conflicts and situations where he was way over his head. In fact, he described it this way in this psalm. He said he was in a place where he'd gone, where the waters had gone over his soul. He didn't see these things as physical trials. He saw them as spiritual challenges that God put in his life. And you think about it with me tonight. Some of the events that we find in David's life, we find him as, as a young boy in charge of the flock of his father. Can you imagine that? A 14, 15, 16 year old in charge of the entire flock. You see, back in those days, fathers knew that as you trained your boys, you trained them to stay in the family business. You trained them that they would learn to take care of the animals. And as soon as they could walk, and as soon as they could move their hands and learn to have coordination, they would be totally involved with the farming business there. And fathers knew that you, it was important to train their sons to be responsible, to be vigilant. And so one of the things they did, if they were, if they were sheep herders, they would have their sons go out way on the, out on the mountainside, and they would learn to guard the sheep, and they would learn all about a sheep enclave, and all of those type of things. But one of the things David had to learn as a 16-year-old, he spent many nights out there by himself, there watching the sheep. And he remember, in, he mentions in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, where he had encounters as a 16-year-old with lions and bears who took a sheep out of the flock, and David succeeded encountered them, but he's thinking about those encounters. Uh, David had to step up to face the great giant Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, and what a conflict that was. And then later on, we read about the men of Keilah there in 1 Samuel 23, who reported to Saul that they found David, and they turned David over. There was treachery on their part. We read about the pursuit of Saul and those aligned with him, such as Doeg the Edomite, who pursued after David. We think later on, many years later, as his own son Absalom revolted against him and tried to take the kingdom from David, and his and revolted David and those loyal to him they had to leave the kingdom they barely had time to grab any clothing and they had to leave and go out of their way and he thought about that he's, he's reflecting about all of these things he's reflecting about an encounter he had with one of the sons of Goliath that son that it was a giant Ishbibanob and how David was weary and he almost lost in battle and the men came to him and thank God for those mighty men they said David we, we don't want you to go to battle anymore because we don't want to lose the light of Israel we want you to know that we're capable of handling this you've inspired us 
us and you've motivated us and trust us if you would. We'll step up and we'll fight those battles. And you read there over, in, I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 21 or 2 Samuel 22, I think it's 2 Samuel 21, about several of his men who stepped up to the battle and took on their own giants and knocked those giants out. But David was at a place where he's reflecting. He's doing a humble reflecting of all that God did in his life. It's a humble reflecting the situations where he had a close call with death and possible encounters. Notice if you would in verse 3, he describes in first in two ways, in verse 3 and 4, he describes in verse 3 the past situation as if he and the nation had been swallowed up quickly. Now, he's talking about God being on his side, but he helps us to understand the nature of what they went through. So look at verse 3 with me. In verse 3 he said this, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Now what's he talking about there? One well, verse 2, he talked about men who rose up against him. Now this, these are all the revolts. I mean, David's life was one where people turned on him and people were not for him. I mean, he had, to, he had to do with the heartache of people that were for him at one time that turned against him and the treacheries of those disloyalties there. And in verse 3, he described it as they that had swallowed us up quick. Now I want to give you some thoughts about that tonight. The word swallowed is a very, very interesting description of being um, of having people against you. And he's describing a situation where you're, it implies being devoured and eaten alive. It's a very strong way of saying you're overwhelmed and lost. The word swallow is used in the context of Aaron's rod swallowing up the rods of the magicians of Egypt. Remember that? Over in Exodus chapter 7, those magicians, they saw the rod, they saw Aaron throw his rod down and God turned it into a serpent. And they said, well, we can do that. We can mimic that. By the way, the devil can mimic and imitate a lot of things, but and he ain't the real deal, amen? And he threw, they threw their rods down, and they were kind of slithering away, and Aaron's rod just came up because it had God's power in it, and just swallowed up all those rods. It swallowed up in one gulp. When we talk about swallowing, we're talking about not chewing, we're talking about swallowing. It's like taking a gulp of water. You know what I mean? You just swallow it straightly down. And when it's used as context, it's talking about being so overwhelmed that you feel swallowed up or consumed by this situation. Swallow is used to describe the earth as it swallowed up Korah and those men that turned against Moses there in number six. The Bible tells us that God sent a whale to swallow up Jonah because of his disobedience. It's, this word is used to describe being overtaken and consumed in one huge gulp. Um, we read over in 2 Samuel 17 about David's friend Hushai gave a report to uh, some men that needed to get a message to David. You'll notice this. I don't know if it's in your notes, and if it's not, you may want to turn to it. In 2 Samuel 7, 16, this is what Hushai, the friend of David, said. Now, therefore, send quickly and tell David, saying, Lodge not this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily pass over, lest the king be swallowed up and all the people that are with him. David used this word again in two other Psalms to describe his plight to describe being overwhelmed in a situation when people were against him, when he was outnumbered, when the foe was bigger than him. And this is what David said in Psalm 56, verses 1 and 2, which you turn there and look at me. Well, look at it with me, please. Psalm 56, verses 1 and 2. David is sad. David is in sorrow. David is, David is feeling overwhelmed. And he prays this prayer and he says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. 
He, finding daily, oppresses me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. I mean, what a description to describe a situation when people are against you. I mean, it's like this, like a situation where you, the, the church is going through some tumultuous times, and there's a divisiveness in the church over doctrine, or devices over the church because of a personality. And then when that happens, people start to choose their sides. And as they choose their sides, the one who's in the middle is the preacher. And the preacher feels like he's all swallowed up by this situation. You might be someone, I'm thinking about several of our folks going through trials right now where they've got a loved one going through cancer and they've got, they got a situation with another thing with a family member and they just feel like they've been swallowed up by this whole problem. David said in verse 3, then they had swallowed us up quickly when their wrath was kindled against us. So David uses the idea of being swallowed up. But then he says something else in verse 3. He talks about the wrath of these men. Now why, why did he feel swallowed up? Why did he feel that this problem had eaten him alive? Why did he feel that way? Well, look again, verse 3. He says, their wrath was kindled against us. Those who swallowed him up were men filled with wrath. The wrath of man was against David. The wrath of man was against him. They, 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 and let me just tell you tonight, okay? Listen, listen. If you're in a leadership capacity, or you aspire to be a leader, you better be willing to accept the risks associated with it. Because the risk associated with taking a stand is that you're going to be swallowed up alive by the very people that you're trying to represent. They will not understand you. They don't want to understand you. They do not agree with things. They may read, they, you may tell them that you love them, and I'm talking to parents tonight. Please listen to me, parents. You're going to make unpopular decisions with your children. And as you make those unpopular decisions with your children, they're going to have a burr in their saddle, and it's going to kind of sit there. And then one day, they're just going to say something, and you're going to think, where did that come from? Well, you can trace it back to weeks ago, months ago, years ago, when something happened. They did not agree with it, but they did not tell you what was on their heart there. So look what David says here. He says in verse 3, they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. I mean, when it happened, it was fast. When it happened, he didn't see it coming. When it happened, he was blindsided. When it happened, and it was immediate. He said, then they had swallowed us quick. I mean, he had no time to plan. He had no time to strategize. He had no time now to work. There. Hey, let me tell you something tonight. When God sends a trial, when God sends a test in your life, you don't have time to strategize, and you don't have time to plan, and you don't have time to read some book to prepare you in advance, because that's not how God works. God wants to send those things to catch us by surprise, to help us realize how weak we are, how dependent we are upon Him. And listen tonight, one of the things God has to do in your life and mine is to help us realize we are not as strong as we think we are, and many times God has to dismantle that strength and bring us down to a place where we're so weak, we realize, God, if you don't help me, God, I won't make it. Wrath is when anger has morphed into continuous burning animosity and hatred. Wrath can be traced to the root of bitterness. Mark it down. Mark it down. Bitterness sets in. You can't get over it. It turns into an anger that will not get away. And it turns into wrath. And the word for wrath is a very strong word in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, Hebrew and Greek. It's a very strong, it's a very strong idea where there's fuel being into it, and it's a, it's a terrible work of the flesh when you read uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 21 and 20, uh, 20, 21. Wrath controls and obsesses a person. A person of wrath, according to Proverbs 15, 18, a person of wrath stirs up strife. 
A person of wrath is a troublemaker. They look for opportunities to be divisive. Proverbs 27, 4 says, a man of wrath is cruel. Ephesians 4.31 tells us that where, where you find wrath, you'll find bitterness on one extreme and you'll have malice on the other. Uh, the Bible tells us a man of wrath is a proud and haughty man. Uh, David's adversaries were men of wrath, men who rose up against him. Absalom was filled with wrath and Saul was filled with wrath and Doak the Edomite was filled with wrath and the Philistines were filled with wrath. Remind you tonight where there's wrath, wrath does not work the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Hey, where you find wrath, there's no righteousness. And where you find wrath, God is not at work. And when you find wrath, the spirit of God is grieved. And when you find wrath, we're going to have a divisive situation. And when you find wrath, you've taken vengeance into your own hands instead of God's hands. So David is reflecting the wrath of man. He describes the situation being swallowed, but notice verse 4. He's thinking about this turbulent past, a turbulent past. Then he describes the situation, verses 4 and 5, as water is overflowing him. And the best description I could give you is you read verses 4 and 5. It's like trying to navigate your way through the hardest and fiercest rapids. When the snow is melting, the waters are running fast. Your boat tips over and you're in that water and the waters have overflown your head. Or it's like being on a, near a beach or by, by the water's edge or by the ocean and there's been an earthquake and the water pulls back and you know if you live in those areas when the water pulls back, a tsunami's going to come. And when the tsunami comes, you can't stop that tsunami. You can't outrun that tsunami. And if you don't get to higher ground soon, it's going to overflow your head. Look what he says there in verse 4. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The streams had gone over our soul. And I'm not talking a slow stream. The word for stream has the idea of a turbulent river. A river that is raging out of control. A river, if you're not very careful, there's no way you can cross against that river without it taking you. Or it might be where you go to some areas where they have signs on. They say, be careful of the riptides. Because if you try to swim into the riptide, the riptide is going to pull you away and pull you out. And you're going to be in a place where you find out it's much stronger than you. And this riptide and this tsunami and this raging torrent of a river, Bob David is describing this situation. He says here, it's like it's gone over our soul. To be gone over our soul means we are smothered. We are smothered. We are drowning. We don't know what to do. That's how David's describing the situation. And I don't know about you tonight, but maybe... Are you drowning in problems? You're drowning in debt? You're drowning in sorrow? Drowning in problems of the past? Somebody else's problems? David's reflecting. He's, man, I think about with King Saul, that was my father-in-law, and I think about, you know, I went back home to my wife, and he posted people outside, and, and listen, uh, my wife, Michael, she told me, man, if, you better get out of here, You're, my father's going to kill you, and yet, she held on to a rope and let him down the window, remember that? And there you find David, he's, 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 he's wandering through the hills of Ju Judea there. He's in all these caves. He has all these cave experiences. And there at the cave of Adullam, he's there and he's reflecting on his situation in a very low spot in his life. And he's writing here, he's thinking back, man, I was overwhelmed in my soul. Students get overwhelmed in their souls when they don't get into the college that they hope to get in. 
The students get overwhelmed their soul when they realize that the workload is harder than what they thought it would be. Students get overwhelmed their soul, and I listen to me students, especially college students. You're starting a new school year, and you've got great ambitions. But that first midterm, and that next paper, and the next project, and the next study group, and then the next midterm, and on and on and on, and I tell you, as the semester go, keeps going, you're a little bit overwhelmed in your soul. You've got family members here tonight that perhaps are doing okay. They're going to come back from a medical visit, doctor's visit, and they're going to get news they did not expect to get. You're going to be overwhelmed in your soul. Waters over your soul, swallowed up, feeling like you're consumed. David was reflecting on a turbulent past. But notice verses 1 and 2. Though there was a turbulent past, aren't you thankful? As we read verses 1 and 2, he's also reflecting about a, a triumphant performance. Amen? And he says here, if it had not been the Lord. Now, politicians like to use the word if too. They go if, 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 and they don't go anywhere with it. Amen? You know what I'm saying there? We have had some politicians and some men off. They go if, 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 and not, the if never happens there. But listen, David says here, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel save. Now, let me give you some thoughts here. You know what David's saying here? Hey, I survived. I'm still alive. Hey, tonight you ought to be thankful. I'm still here, amen? Not me, I'm talking about you. You ought to be thankful, I'm still here. Hey, I'm still married. I still got my children. I still got my parents. I still got my church. I still got, we can still, we can still rejoice and we still got the fire of God in the church and we still have a missions program and we're still seeing souls saved. Hey, thank God for the two little boys, one that got saved this morning and then knew for sure he got saved and one that got assurance of his salvation. Hey, man, I don't know about you tonight. You may not get excited about it, but I'm thankful for that tonight. Amen? Amen. And so you look at the situation with David here. He's saying, if it not been the Lord who was on our side. Listen, David said, I didn't die. I was swallowed up and I was overwhelmed, but I did not die. God left me here. Sometimes you may think about, I wonder why I'm still alive. Because God is not finished with you yet today. He said in Psalm 116 verse 9, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. David said, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Think about that. David thought, if the Lord had not been on my side, Goliath would have beaten me. If the Lord had not been on my side, King Saul, when he thrust that javelin at me, it would have hit me. If the Lord had not been on my side, the men of Keilah would have been successful in turning me over. If the Lord had not been on my side, he said, Absalom would have overtaken me many times over. And the men of Absalom would have overtaken me many times over. And Ahithophel would have gotten his way. And Ahithophel would have gotten his vengeance against me. If the Lord had not been on my side, Doeg would have had his way. And I would have been slaughtered instead of the priest. He said, man, if it the Lord had not been on my side, listen tonight, Heritage Baptist Church and guests here tonight, if the Lord is not on your side, you and I are of all men most miserable. I want you to think of me tonight, if the Lord is not on our side, what we would be facing. If the Lord was not on our side, Jesus would not have died for every sinner. If the Lord was not on our side, there would not be a resurrection from the dead. 
If the Lord was not on our side, we would not have a Bible to know the mind of God and how to walk by faith. Hey, listen, if, not, if the Lord wasn't on Daniel's side, Daniel would not have survived the lion's den. And if the Lord was not on the side of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, otherwise known as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they would not have survived the fiery furnace. And if the Lord was not on the side of Shamgar, Shamgar would not have killed 600 men, 600 Philistines with the ox gold. Listen, that was a farming instrument. That was not a spear. That was not a sword. You didn't go to battle with an ox gold, but God, it didn't matter what God put in his hand because he was just willing to go and he thought maybe years later just of that one verse that, that just because I was willing God would use me let me tell you tonight you may think you have no talent and you may think that you're too old and you may think that you're too young you may think that you're not pretty enough and you may think that you're not speaking enough I'm going to tell you tonight it doesn't matter what you have in your hand give it all to the Lord Jesus Christ and remember when the Lord is on your side you've got everything that you need tonight the Lord wasn't on the side of Elijah, he couldn't have defeated 850 prophets of Baal. If the Lord not, was not on the side of Hezekiah, he would, not, would have not gotten an extension of 15 years on his life. And listen, if you're facing some health trial right now, I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you tonight to get on your knees and on your face before God. And don't let that health trial whip you. You whip that health trial by getting in the face of God and say, God, I need your help. And you claim Hebrews 4.16 and say, God, I need your grace to help in this time of need. God was on his side. Listen, tonight, if, it, if God wasn't on the side of the Apostle Paul, he would not have survived a stoning. He would not have survived the scourging in Acts 16. He would not have survived the shipwreck. God, Paul could testify the Lord was on his side. Listen, if the Lord wasn't on our side, hey, the gospel would not be advancing around the world. If the Lord was not on our side, the gospel would not be in countries where we support missionaries. I'm so thankful. Listen, we got a lot of restricted access nation missions. I'm thankful for missionaries in Senegal. I'm thankful for missionaries in Sri Lanka. I'm thankful for missionaries in Nepal. I'm thankful for missionaries in Thailand. I'm thankful for missionaries in the Philippines. Hey, I got, a, I got one of our, our families is visiting out of town. They're in Vietnam, right? They were just Vietnam yesterday, their time. And I gave them a name. I said, go, brother, go visit one of the men here that Brother Lorena sent out of his church there in, the, in Vietnam. He said, he started church. They sent me a text late last night. I woke me up, and I looked at the text, and they said, hey, preacher, just want you to know, it's a solid work, solid preaching. They even have a choir, and they're doing it, they're doing it right. I said, praise God, even there in, the, in that part of the world, in spite of that being restricted access nation, God is at work. Praise the Lord. God is on our side. Listen, it doesn't matter. Listen, if you're a man of faith, you're a man of faith, a man of prayer. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11. They subdue governments. I'm going to tell you tonight, as you listen to the testimony, someone like a Terry Unruh, God, it's not Terry Unruh doing it. It's God working through Terry Unruh's faith that's subduing the governments. And listen, we need to get the place to stop letting the devil have his way and start praying and fasting, believing that God is able to do great and exceeding things through your life and mine. I'm going to tell you tonight, if the Lord wasn't on our side, prayer would not be answered. I'm going to tell you tonight, preacher, listen, church member, if the Lord wasn't on our side, most pastors won't make it in the ministry. I think of Heartland Baptist Bible College tonight, and I think about the fact in 1998, the brother Sam Davison just was led of God. He saw the defection in the fellowship he was in. He said, I've had it with that fellowship. And there's this fight over Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. You ought to read the story there. They, there was a fight over Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. He said, you know what? We're just going to move it back here to Oklahoma City. I mean, this is in June. And the property where they moved it to was owned by, by, by this, charismatic, this charismatic individual that had this ministry called Feed the Children. And it went bankrupt, and the buildings were a mess. I mean, they were a mess. This is June. 
And he had a church business meeting. He told the church, this is a big deal. We're, we're going to go after that property. We're going to get it at a good price. But I'm going to need the church to help me. We've got to get this church. We've got to get this buildings, these buildings in shape. We've got to get new carpet in there. We've got to do some repairs. We've got to do some painting. We've got to do other. We can't afford to hire a contract church. We're going to have to do it. And the church rallied around the leadership, Brother Sam Davison, back there in 1998. And they went into there. And listen, by the middle of August, the stores were ready to be open. And they had their very first semester at Heartland Baptist Bible College. And you go there, it's a miracle and a testimony of God. God's working there. I've been on that campus. I've preached that campus. And I tell you, you cannot walk that campus without knowing the Holy Spirit's anointing has been on the ministry of Brother Sam Davidson, and on Jason Gaddis because they're training preachers and sending men out to get the work of God done. But I'm going to tell you tonight, you get around those men. It's not about their personality. It's not about their strategic planning. It's all about one thing. There was a God on their side that they trusted in. Amen. I mean, listen tonight. If God was not on the side of missionary Bob Hughes, you listen to me tonight. If God was not on the side of missionary Bob Hughes, the missions movement as we see it today, and the Filipino missionaries being sent out of that country and having access into nations where they don't have the visa issues that we have here in the United States would not be happening. Look at your missions prayer page. We have maybe four, maybe five Men sent out of the Philippines in restricted access nations getting it done. Three churches, four churches, souls being saved. They're teaching English as a second language Monday through Friday and they're winning these people to Christ and getting them baptized and in the church. So why is, why is God showing his favor there? Because... We here in America have just decided God wasn't on our side. I'm going to tell you, he's on our side. We just need some people willing to go. Amen? If the Lord wasn't on the side of Dr. Rick Martin, my goodness. You, you don't get it, but Rick Martin's ministry, I, I wish, I hope one day he'll accept my invitation to come here. There's one church or extension ministry being started every six days. Because of what started back in 1975 in Ilo Ilo. I don't think I know anybody who works harder than Dr. Rick Martin and prays longer and fasts more than Dr. Rick Martin does. Let me tell you tonight if the Lord wasn't on our side, Terry Unruh wouldn't be in Sri Lanka. If the Lord wasn't on our side, many mysteries would leave the country. Let me tell you tonight, if God wasn't on the side of Heritage Baptist Church, this church would not be here tonight. It started nothing. Would you do me a favor tonight before you go home? Would you walk around, around the campus and through the buildings by yourself? Would you marvel a ministry that had nothing, that is nothing, and has nothing, at cost value, and one of our men could correct me, the buildings that cost value are at between 10 and $12 million. How do you explain that if God wasn't on our side? How do you explain that? How do you explain going from 2007 where the city said you can't build to six months later to the very same day saying, we're going to let you build? How do you explain that? How do you explain that? How do you explain, I, I think of Lysol, Medina, I think of that day, we, that week, both her grandfathers were sick. Both were sick. One was in the hospital. 
He said, I don't want anything to do with you, Pastor or Mrs. Fong. I've got my religion. Wouldn't hear us. And two days later, we went to see the other grandfather, received us lovingly, some reservation. But he let the gospel work in his heart and work in his heart and work in his heart. And instead of being a proud and stout older man, he was a humble man who humbled his heart, opened his heart, and received Jesus Christ as personal Savior. The Lord had not been on our side. Let me tell you tonight, if God's not on your side, your marriage would fail. Your children would be extremely rebellious. Your job and career would be a failure. You would not survive the spiritual tsunamis that have come your way. The devil would have won many times over. And listen tonight, listen. If the Lord wasn't on our side, all of us would be going to hell. Right? Right? Yeah. I read this from a preacher. He, wrote, he preached a sermon, I think back in the 90s. His last name was Morgan. And during that time, a book came out called Why America Needs Religion. And just like right now, America's going through very tumultuous times. And the man that wrote it is a, was an agnostic, a PhD agnostic from the University of Massachusetts. And he wrote it out of antagonism towards Christianity. And uh, in his mind, the moral and apathetic decline in America was, he blamed it on the Christians. And so he wanted to write a book about that the moral decline could be traced to Christians. And he started out with the title of the book being, Why America Doesn't Need Religion. That's what he wrote, Why America Doesn't Need Religion. But as he started reading the Bible... And he started researching our church history. He started to realize that the unseen hand of God has been working in America. Amen? I mean, beginning with George Washington. You need to re re get some of the things about George Washington and some of those, those men that were believers of Jesus Christ and those early Puritans who made their way here and found their way and established their place there. But anyway, he started working this. He started realizing he came to the conclusion that Christianity was an essential, necessary part of a healthy, humane culture. He titled his book. He changed the book and he titled it Why America Needs Religion. He said this. It said eight big areas of social impact that have flowed from Christianity. He said, because of Bible principles, we have hospitals and health care. And because of Bible principles, we have orphanages and child care. And because of Bible, Bible principles, there, were, there have been soup kitchens and rescue missions. And because of Bible principles, there's the education of the masses. And because of Bible principles, there's the reform of prison, within the prisons. And because of Bible principles, there's the abolition of slavery. And because of Bible principles, there's the rise of, of a democratic nation there or a republic of God, a republic for God and humanitarian assistance and all these things. He's just basically saying there, listen, and I'm not getting to social gospel stuff, but I am saying this. That man came to the conclusion that America would not be here if it wasn't for God. And may I tell you tonight, you and I would not be here if it wasn't for God. Aren't you glad for the grace of God in your life tonight? David's reflecting. Notice secondly, we see David in a, doing a humble reflection. But notice secondly, in verses 6 to 7, we see a happy rejoicing. Remember, David's in a period of respite. He's gone through all these troubles. He's gone through all these trials. And he's having, he may be having his devotions there. He's meditating on the word of God. 
He's thinking, man, if the Lord had not been on my side, may Israel say, and if the Lord had not been on our side, when men rose against he says, man, I'm so thankful God was on my side. I'm so thankful God was there with for me. Now he transitions, and you can see that now we're, we're rising. We've hit another, another, another note here. And he says, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. David had a happy rejoicing. He said, blessed be the Lord. To God be the glory. Praise the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, listen, tonight, if we don't do anything else, let's just say, blessed be the Lord. Amen? Let's say, bless God for our soul. Bless the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless God for who he is. And bless God for his greatness and mightiness. I hope you'll take some time as we enjoy this Labor Day weekend and you take a little bit of time to chill out tomorrow. May you not chill out so much that you don't say, bless God for your goodness. and Bless, bless God for your salvation. and Bless God for your mightiness. And bless God for your blessings which flow upon me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, he said there. And so he said, I'm going to bless God, first of all, notice verse 5, because he's not given us as a prey to their teeth. Let me give some color to that. He has not given us as a prey to their teeth. He stopped the mouths of lions, did he not? Daniel's in the mouth, in the den of these lions, and he stopped the mouths of lions. He did not give us over as prey to their teeth. David grabbed a lion and a bear by their beard. I've always tried to imagine how close that was. And he smote them and killed them with one, with one kill. I mean, he smote them by their beard. I mean, he did not give him as a prey to their teeth. He was not eaten by those things. Hey, when Paul put his hand in the fire there, there on the island of Malta, a venomous viper came out and grasped his hand. But the venomous viper's venom could not hurt Paul. He did not give him as a prey to their teeth. He did not let the enemy swallow him up. Pharaoh fed the Israelite baby boys to the crocodiles. Pagans fed their babies to the fire god Moloch. But David said, listen, in spite of all those tragedies, God did not give us over as a prey to their teeth. God did not allow them to hurt us. Hey, you thank God tonight that were there wolves that come into churches and wolves and sheepskins that might knock on your door. You be thankful tonight that God did not give you over as a prey to their teeth. That's why it's important to be in church and know the doctrines of Scripture and know the Word of God so you are not given over as a prey to their teeth. And then notice the second thing he says here as he blesses God. He blessed God that he was, that God not, did not give them over as a prey to their teeth. But I love verse 7. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Now you have, to be, you have to be a country boy to understand that, okay? I'm not a country boy, so I don't even know if I understand it, all right? But you have to be a country boy to understand that. Because they, they set these, they set what's called in the Bible these gins and these traps, and they would catch these birds, and when they were caught, they couldn't fly away, and they couldn't run away, and these snares or traps were instrumental for catching game to feed themselves with. Notice David said here, our soul, he's talking about, we were trapped. We were in a snare. We're in a terrible place. But he says, our soul is escaped. Hey, thank God tonight he didn't say, my life is escaped, and my foot is escaped, and my next day is escaped. He said, my soul is escaped. Hey, listen, thank God for 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God will make a way of escape. Aren't you glad about that tonight? He said, God has made a way of escape for my soul. Hey, listen, some of us in this room, we've been through some hairy situations and some tumultuous times and some times with the floods of all 
overflowed us. And the pray, and we, we thought we were going to be praying to their teeth. But thank God, God set us free from the trap. And set us free from the prey. And God set us free from depression and darkness of times. And God set us free so that we know would not be consumed. And David's rejoicing there. He says, listen, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. Thank God today you didn't fall into that sin, sir. Thank God today that you didn't let pornography overtake you. And thank God today alcoholism didn't overtake you. And thank God today that the opioid prices didn't overtake you. And drugs did not overtake you. And marijuana didn't overtake you. And lust did not overtake you. Or anger or wrath didn't overtake you. You thank God tonight our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. But then he says something else. Would you notice this? The snare is broken. Amen. Amen. The snare is broken. If you got ensnared with anxiety and with worry and with fears and despair, and you got overtaken by, your soul was ensnared by fear and little faith, and your soul got ensnared in pride, and your soul got ensnared in lies and false stories, and your soul got ensnared in sin that had you in bondage, hey, thank God, God came along, and the Lord got on your side, and Jesus came along, and he said, listen, I see that snare, and he said, I'm going to break that snare. I'm going to break that snare. And he says, the Lord broke that snare. He said in verse 6, that he says, the snare is broken and we are escaped. Hey, thank God tonight, God can break the chains and God can break the strongholds that encompass you, that circle you. Thank God tonight, he can break the snare and he can break the stronghold of fear and he can break the stronghold of bad thinking and Jesus can break the stronghold of alcoholism and Jesus can break the stronghold of covetousness and Jesus can break the stronghold of apathy and complacency. Listen to what Job said in Job 6. 1612, I was at ease. Are you at ease? Are you at ease? He said, I was at ease, and he, but he has broken me asunder. He has also taken me by my neck and shaken, shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. Hey, listen, tonight, if, we, if we're at a place where God needs to break up sin, thank God tonight he'll break up a snare in your life there. But I like what he says here. Jesus can break up purposes that don't line up with his perfect will. Look at 2, Corinthians, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 37. Then Eliezer, the son of Dodavah, uh, Marishoth, prophesied against Jehoshaphat. Now, you better thank God when God sends a prophet of God like a Terry Unwood to preach the word of God. He sent, he sent this man to, to prophet Jehoshaphat because Jehoshaphat made some decisions. Listen, that, that did not line up with the will of God. Because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord has broken thy works, and the ships were broken that they were not able to go to Tarshish. And I'm just saying tonight, as we look at verses 6 and 7, we see a David that's rejoicing. He said, Lord, I thank you tonight. He said, thank you today for what you're doing. He said, blessed be the Lord, which has given us over to their teeth. And blessed be the Lord, who's helped our soul to escape from the snare of the fowler. And blessed be the Lord, who broke the snare of the fowler. Hey, thank God tonight, Satan is not bigger than you. He's not bigger than Jesus. Thank God, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Finally, as we close tonight, as you notice, we see David's, David's humble reflection. We see David's happy rejoicing. But I like, I like verse 8. In verse 8, would you write this down? David makes a hearty reaffirmation. Our help. The Hebrew word for help is ezer or azer. The first time it's mentioned, Genesis chapter 2, I will make thee an azer, a helpmeet. And every husband in this room should be thankful tonight, God has given you a helpmeet. Amen? Amen. 
She's not your slave. She's not your servant. She's your helpmeet. She compensates for the weaknesses in your life, the blindsidedness you have, the blind spots you have. She compensates for that, and she, accent, she accentuates that. And if you're a man who's risen in your, your area of your life, you can thank God that God put a godly wife in your life to help build that up. You. But listen tonight, what he's saying here, our help is in the name of the Lord. David, listen, David's reflecting, he's reflecting publicly to the nation of Israel, and he's reflecting publicly to his mighty men and to the prophets and priests, men like Nathan and men like that and Gad. And he's saying, listen, our help is in the name of the Lord. And David came to the conclusion, God was on our side. God was with us when we needed him. God was there at the right time, the right place. And he said, because God was there at the right time, right place, our help is in the name of the Lord. I shared the story this morning. Our, our missionary, Brother Chris Knudsen, is in a restricted access nation. And Brother Chris Knudsen has been in a pickle of a situation for several weeks there because every year around June, he has to renew his work visa. We're in the city and the location he's at. And as he did that, every, every year he's kind of on pins and needles because he doesn't know if they're going to renew him. And they know, he, they know he's a pastor. They know he has a church. They know he has an assembly. And they've kind of monitored him. I think his broom, his place is bugged, all of those things there. But he kind of sits on pins and needles. And for all these years, they've allowed him to continue to work there in that city. And this year he had several blows that happened to him. Blow number one is as he went to renew his work contract, they told him in that city you're in, they said, you are not going to get your job back this semester, this coming year. In fact, we are not going to allow you to get a job anywhere in this province. Well, if you know anything about that province, that's a, that's a blow. He's got a, he's got a thriving ministry there. And so he's been sitting on pins and needles. What am I going to do? And then the second blow he got was that he had to turn his passport over to get his visa, and they've just been basically blank for several weeks. No answer, no response. And he did some searching around because he needs to stay in the country because of the work that God has led him to start there. And he found another job in another area, and they, they said to a similar type job. They said, we'll hire you, and you need to start on this date, and that date is this Monday. No passport, no visa. And on Friday night, we got a message from those who are the correspondents who keep us in touch. They said, hey, we just want to update you. Brother Chris got his work because they just approved and gave it to him. And by the way, aren't you glad that God is always on time, they said. God's never too late. And David's thinking, man, I made a bunch of foolish mistakes along the way, and I did some dumb things along the way, and there were some moments of time where I didn't trust God as much as I should have, and there were some times I got depressed and discouraged, and I was walking along the way, and I think when he ran from Absalom, he was thinking back, man, why was I crying on the trail? Why was I doubting God for my sustenance and my supply? Look who God sent to me. Look at my best friends came. They remember me in my most difficult time, and they brought, so they brought bedding and supplies and food and things like that for me and my men. He said, why was I doubting God during that time? And why was I, why was I in this place, this low, where I had no desire for serving God? He said, why am I like that? And he said, you know, he came to this conclusion. I had been in up times and down times. And he was thinking, I made some bad decisions along the way, but God didn't turn me over to be prey to their teeth, and God didn't allow the waters to overflow my soul anymore. God rescued me out of that tsunami, and God God got me out of that raging river situation, and God delivered me from their, from their teeth and their situation. And he came to this conclusion. He said, listen, Israel. And he said, listen, Israel. And listen, Nathan. And listen, Gad. And listen, Joab. And listen, Benaiah. And listen, uh, Eliezer, men like that. I want you to know something. Our help, not just my help. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And I want to tell you today, that's not just Old Testament. That's current right now. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And would you notice how he phrased this in verse 8? Our help is in the name of the Lord. Notice, who made heaven and earth. 
creator God. What kind of help? Would you go with 1 Samuel 7, 12? What kind of help? What kind of azer? He's a prevailing help. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen. He called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Ebenezer is a good name. From that point, from the past up to now, God has been our helper. Not only is he a prevailing help, would you notice in Psalm 46.1, he's a present help. He's a present help. I mean, right now, what's your situation? What's overflowing your soul? Whose, whose teeth has tried to get you? What, what, what snare are you, are you trapped in that you can, God wants to help you escape from? Notice tonight, he said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. But I want you to notice tonight, he's not just a prevailing help and not just a present help. Hey, listen, he's a predictable help. Amen. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, look at this. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And listen now, whatever your dark moment may be, the Lord is your helper too. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Early years of David's life and ministry... When the Philistines made an attack, just like today, they tried to take out your resources. You think about when the United States went in during, during the uh, desert storm, they, they took out the airport. They attacked the water supplies. They took out the resources. That's always been enemy tactics. That's always been part of how they wage war. They, they go after your resources. If I can cut off your water and I can cut off your food and I can cut off your ammunition sources, I'm going to win over you easy. I'll just wait it out. And the Philistines, they went after, because of these open fields, they were unprotected fields, they went after the barley fields. And barley, listen, barley basically was a staple. The wheat fields and the barley fields were a staple. And if we take those, those fields out, we have control of the situation. And so the Philistines came in. They came with a larger, much larger than what David had there with his men. And the Bible describes this way in 2 Samuel 23, that all the men of Israel fled except for one man that stayed with David. His name was Eliezer. His name was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. Listen, if my daddy's name was Dodo, I'd be an Eliezer too, Amen. And he said, here, listen, I, he was there, and the Bible says they defended that barley field. And the Bible says about this man, Eliezer, it says here, listen, it says here that he kept fighting them, and he, his hand claved to the sword until his hand was weary. He stayed by that thing, and his hand got to the place where it was quivering and shivering. And it just basically, when it says his hand claved the sword, his hand assumed the grip of the sword. It came, became one with that sword, and he would not let it go. But he stayed with it so that he could defeat those Philistines. And alongside it, there was David, but it wasn't David that got the glory, and it wasn't David who got the credit. It was God working through Eliezer that got the credit. And years later, as David's writing this, I think he's thinking about Eliezer because Eliezer means, My God is my helper. As we close tonight, God is your helper, God is on your side. Where could I go but to the Lord? Amen? Amen. Where could you go but to the Lord? If the Lord had not been our helper, may Israel say. If the Lord had not been our help, if the Lord had not been on our side. If the Lord had not been on our side. Do you know tonight, if you were to die, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? The Lord is on your side. 
God wants you to go to heaven. God wants you to have a place reserved for you in heaven. He wants you to know your sins can be forgiven and you can be a son of God tonight. And we invite you this evening to come to know Christ as your Savior. If the Lord had not been on our side, David made a very hearty reaffirmation in the last verse. He says, our help is in the name of the Lord, the creator of heaven, earth. Let's make a reaffirmation tonight also. Let's do a little bit reflecting. Remember tonight, God is on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? Don't leave church tonight defeated, discouraged, depressed, down and out, throwing your hands up, waving the white handkerchief of surrender. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Thank God tonight he's on your side. We're going higher because the Lord is on our side.